podcast fam. On today's episode, we have a top-notch local graphic designer and lettering artist, Caroline Staniski, and we get into talking about networking, bringing a hobby to life as a profession, valuing your time as a creator, building and encouraging creativity in your children, and so much more. are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, baby. The podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. <laughs> I feel like it's back. Just like that. Just like that. Uh, you guys, for everybody's listening, I know that the, the episodes have been going out week, week to week, but uh, we haven't recorded in like a month or so because of back to school, kind of getting through back to school, Mike. It was an interesting it back was, to school time, wasn't it? It was a tradition unlike any other. Uh, that's what I would say. Um, <laughs> tradition like any other. Uh, not like any Yeah. I mean, it was, it was okay. Like, I mean, it was, it was good. I mean, it was busier than normal. It's not the August What was the craziest part about back to school this year for you, like, out of everything? I mean, the whole year is, like, crazy, but... It's... How do you explain this? Like, you know how, like, athletes, and, and even we've talked about, uh, you know, people in the military, how they, like, live for that high. Yeah. And, and if, when you're not on that high, it's hard to, like be there be present all the time like i think we've we've come to expect this high in august where you know we're pumping out 42 sales a day and it just kind of feels like christmas never came you know like we did we did well all things considered like i don't want to send out a message that we tanked or anything but like it just wasn't what it normally is because of covid and because of the way students are kind of coming back in waves so i would say just the general shock of it not being what it normally is and, and not having like buku inventory to unload in preparation for it yeah i don't know like we did we did so everybody who's listening like we did a like we went to an appointment based system we had to control the amount of people who were kind of coming in and out of the dealership kind of keep everybody spread out i actually like the appointment based stuff for like the storage pickups you know we do we run a scooter hotel here during the summer that kind of thing everybody picked up we kind of like had these like pickup times which worked really well but man like from a sales standpoint like trying to keep people spread out and not have 30 families in the dealership at once that was the thing that was kind of awkward to me. I was like, man, it's just the energy just felt weird. And I would say, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like just Gainesville's energy as a whole is just different. Like, it's just not right. there. It's like not there. It doesn't feel like school started to me. So everybody's shaking their head. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, Complete okay. agreement. Yeah. Okay. So, well, there you go, guys. Like, hopefully things will return to normal soon, but still it feels kind of like March. Yeah. Like it kind of feels like whenever all this stuff started happening, that happening started to go down. Like it just feels kind of like, uh, that's the only way I can explain it. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get into today's show. You guys, today on the show, we have Caroline Staniski, a top notch local graphic designer, lettering artist, and one of my really good friends. I'm so excited that she is here. Caroline, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, you guys, I'm excited because uh, one, we're going to like, we're, we're doing a little WHOA, GNV, and Caroline. Like, what do you do? you call it Sweet Caroline Design or do you go like by your name? Like, what do you I just kind go of, by my name of my Instagram. Instagram has always been Sweet Caroline Design. Yeah, we were getting hyped to Sweet Caroline before the episode, everybody. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> um, but 
you know, I reached out to Caroline a few months ago, kind of like, when was it? Was it when this COVID stuff was It was on? March. Yeah, it was in March. It was yeah, like when a lot of this was going ago. on. I was like, yo, you know, I want to do like a collaboration, you know, like let's, let's do something. And so we have, we've created this really cool Gainesville t-shirt. And so hold on, let me like, let me grab this and show it to everybody because it's incredible. But we have this shirt right here. Look at that, dude. It's awesome. See that, everybody? So we have it in black. And then we have, like, this is actually, this is my favorite. It's like this navy heathered look. Check this one out. So if, you, if you're listening to the show, definitely go check out the, the video. Or you'll be able to see these on our website at whoagnv.com. Uh, and then just click shop. But Caroline designed this. This is like her artwork, you guys. <laughs> And uh, and we're doing like this. Uh, we're we're basically selling these T-shirts that are going to support Caroline and our podcast, and we're super excited about. It. So thank you for that amazing design and for collaborating with us on that. No problem. And uh, you know, it's uh, we haven't released it on the, the website as of today when we're recording, but by the time this episode goes out, it'll be up. Yep. Cool. I'm excited. I'm like, I'm like, Caroline, help me. Like, here's complete, <laughs> like, here's complete access to our website. Here you go. <laughs> like, let's, let's trust. Like, let, friends. Let's make this happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just love opportunities to collaborate with really talented people in our community, and you're definitely one of them. So I'm excited to get into the story. But before we do, I also got to thank our sponsor for this episode, who is the company who printed the t-shirt, which is the Tea Shop. You guys, before we get too deep, let me let me tell you um, that the Tea Shop, okay, these guys, they're, one of, they're Gainesville's one-stop shop for custom apparel and so much more. Um, the, uh, they have no minimums so which i think is one of the unique parts because a lot of a lot of places will require you to buy like Mm -hmm. 500 shirts um this is going to be we we decided this is gonna be a limited edition so we only have 125 of these shirts that we're actually releasing so if you want one of them you have to go go to whoagnv.com click shop and they're gonna be on the shop for $30. There's only 125. We're not even, we're not gonna replicate them. This, this is a one-time design, this is it. And, and then they're gone. In the vault. I'm, I might let, I might I let say, you have there's, one. There's 124 available. <laughs> I might let Michael have one. <laughs> no, we'll definitely give the team one, so. Uh, but you guys, just go there and buy one, but uh, really want to get I just want to give so much love to the tea shop because they also helped us make this happen and you guys can check them out at Facebook at the tea shop that's T-E-E shop Gainesville um, or on Instagram at underscore the tea shop um, and you guys can place orders directly on their website at the tea shops with an S the tea shops dot com uh, or feel free to give them a call 352-204-3530 again that's 352-204-3530 um, I mean it's just been those guys have been awesome they've been on the show as well yeah, yeah. we had them on the show and heard their story uh, I should have looked up what episode that is I feel like that would have been such a All great right, callback sure. right now but definitely go look up that episode it was fantastic and it's just been cool to collaborate with the tea shop to carol to collaborate with caroline on this and super excited to get out there and i don't know do you have anything to say about it it's your design i mean i think collaboration is really important when you're building your business and when you're building connections with other people and like just being able to like have you reach out to me and do this is just very humbling um 
I just think it's a great experience. Well, and this isn't the first time we've collaborated on a project no, together. No, it's not. Um, because you and Repaint, which is the company that Mike and I own, um, we did a project with Fracture, mm -hmm. a video project, mm -hmm. and that was pretty exciting as well. Yes. So we've done some cool collaborations before, but um, but this is like our thing. Yeah. This is like, like, let's go, this is you and me, so or like us. So super excited about it, and uh, thanks for all your hard work on it. And Thank you. Wait. You guys go buy it right now, limited edition. Sarah, are you gonna get one? Absolutely. <laughs> 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 All right, well, you guys, let's get into today's show. Uh, Caroline, we, you know we like to start with everybody's story. We wanna like throw back, hear, hear the story, and hear how you got to Gainesville and why you're doing what you're doing. Okay, so basically back in 2016, I had just graduated from the University of North Florida in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was debating about going to grad school because I really wanted to teach and do graphic design and I had no idea about how to do anything entrepreneur related. This wasn't even like on my burner of things to do. So I applied and got accepted into the MFA graphic design program at UF. Um, and I did that program for a year and got, I kind of got tired of it. I just, I was tired of doing these research based projects. I'm not a research person. Like I'm a very hands on, like in the community. I like being with people, you know, kind of person. And I just, I, got tired of it so I switched into a master's of science with a focus on entrepreneurship and that was kind of where I found myself as a person and also as a business person because I just totally dived into meeting people and like collaborating with people like you and just like being involved in the community and so I just started reaching out to different companies around town like seeing like hey are you guys like interested in partnering with a freelance designer or things like that and just kind of put myself online as like a hand lettering artist. First and foremost, a graphic designer, but then second of all, like a, a hand lettering artist. And over the past couple of years, things have kind of just started gaining traction with that. So I kind of want to be like the hand lettering artist in Gainesville, like the person that everybody goes to for hand lettering. Okay, so what year, what year did you finish school? 2019. 2019. And did you like immediately just go into that freelance? Like, were you looking for a job at all, or were you like, no, I definitely want to kind of take the entrepreneurial route I was, here? I was working for UF for a year, and then I was also working remotely for a company in Jacksonville. So I was working two jobs the first year I lived here. And then, like, two years later, I kind of just decided, like, I want to try and do this on my own. Um, and being in the program, like, really it helped me just like reach out to the community and do those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm like tr trying to like go back to those times where, uh -huh. you know, like, man, like job, no job, yeah. like being on my own, yeah. like living off what I bring in, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what, how, I know that that's just like extremely scary for a lot of people. Right. So was it scary for you? Was it were you like excited about like what, what like what were you feeling during that time? I was scary and excited at the same time. Like I I had a hunger for like doing these projects and things like that. But being a student, I definitely like had considered like, man, I might be eating ramen noodles for the next, you know, year or two. <laughs> um, but I think it at first it's really, really hard. Like I would say it's most important if you're a student 
and you're doing entrepreneurship, it's most important to do entrepreneurship as a student because you can take the most risk and you can just like, I don't know, that's, that's the time of your life where you can just be an entrepreneur. I think it's the best time of your life because you don't, you know, most people who are like in their early to mid twenties do not have children. They don't have, you know, a lot of responsibilities. And I feel like if you're a college student, like you just need to go out there and like do it. Cause if you don't do it, then you won't know in the future. I mean, a lot of people, it's your timeline of when you become successful or when you're trying to do it. But like, I really think young people have the most advantage because like you're young and you can take the most risk when you're 50 or 60, you cannot do that. Right. It's like, if you fail, so what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you can go get that real job. Right. <laughs> so, um, talk to me a little bit about the, you know, just that, that initial process of really defining mm-hmm. what you do. Cause they, like when you say like, like a lettering artist, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I feel like when most people hear that, they're kind of like, well, like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Right. So, so how do you explain what that means? So, I mean, basically what I do for hand lettering is I do, basically I do signage, I do anything in the lettering spectrum. So I've done invitations, I've done like the Fracture Project with specialized pieces like illustrations. I've done mural work, um, illustrative work for local companies like Exact Tech and Sharp Spring. Just anything that you can put lettering onto, that's basically what I do. (laughs) And through this process of really kind of defining your freelance um, you know, career, mm-hmm. your, your own business, mm-hmm. um, you know, how much goes in, how much time are you like really investing into your own brand? Right. So, <laughs> because I feel like this is something where a lot of people struggle with, even, even us, yeah. like when we were like really developing repaint, yeah. and, like everybody's like, dude, why aren't you guys like making content for repaint? Like yeah. we're too busy making everybody else's content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so, you know, the amount of time focused on building out your own brand versus building out other people's mm-hmm. branding and mm-hmm. stuff like, you know, that. Are you spending a lot of time on your brand? Like what, what, what's that process been like I feel like, like I've spent more time now than I did when I first started because I was so unsure. You know, I was like, I'm just gonna dip my, my foot into this and spend like maybe 15 or 20 hours a week like developing content on Instagram. And like, I didn't really know how to social, like network and things like that. And learning these business skills in college and then just like dipping my foot into it. Like now I spend like between like 40 to 60 hours a week like working on that alongside projects. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, you just piqued my interest when you said talked about like networking and uh-huh. stuff. I mean, did you do any of that when you were in college? Oh yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, I think networking was probably the strong suit that I didn't. I didn't know it was a skill that I had. I think that's something that is really, really important um, for like students and young professionals to have because. How did you develop that skill? So. When I first started design school, like way back in 2013, I was involved with AIGA, which is a national graphic design association. And they would have these like alcohol mixers, like just drink, drink and design is what it was called. And I would go. Um, Sounds like my kind of party. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was basically just everybody would drink and network. Drink, then design yeah. or drink and design. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically we, you know, the students and the young professionals, just people in the designing community would come out and network and things like that. And that was where I would just like, 
every time I would go there, I'd always meet somebody new and like get their business card or something like that. And I didn't really know that was like networking, you know, as like a 20 year old, you know, in school. But then that's something that I've just kept doing with my own brand is like, now I'll cold email companies with the intention of like talking with them about their brand and things like that. And I think it's it's a very important skill to have. Has mm-hmm. it been, I don't know, I'm just like, I, I'm hearing you say these things. Yeah. Right? Like I got these skills, but like how did you really, you know, have you perfected those skills? How Like how have you progressed in that? Because I wanna like really bring value to that young mm-hmm. audience who's considering starting their, their business. You know, yeah. they're maybe they're a college student and they're thinking about start, you know, yeah. doing their own thing when they get out. Um, but like, you know, how it's it's always like how, like right. what, what steps do I take and how do I know when I'm on the right path? And like, you know, so yeah. maybe you can kind of think about, you know, with with that person in mind, like you as a college student in mind, like what advice would you give to that person in in making that first step. So what I would do is I would find local events that are in your niche. So say you're a graphic designer, I would find like networking events or like get involved with organizations that are a part of like what you're trying to achieve. And then I would I would go on LinkedIn and look up those people and try and contact them. If you can't meet them in person, like try and get involved with them online to like establish a cold like a cold relationship. Um but then if you're Has doing- Has been successful for you though? Mm-hmm. Like reaching out like cold. Yeah. Mike, when somebody reaches out <laughs> to you cold, <laughs> yeah. does it work for you? Like not, I, I feel like- Not you. So, so how, are you getting, how are you getting through that? Because I feel like, man, because I, I get a bunch of cold emails and stuff too and I'm just kind of like, uh, I either like snooze it for two weeks yeah. because I'm like too busy in the moment or I just delete it entirely. I usually only cold email companies that like I'm interested in us both benefiting off of each other. So like I'm doing a workshop in Jacksonville and I reached out to a company that I'd previously supported that did my business cards when I was a student. And so I basically asked him, I said like, you know, I really love your business and I would love to keep partnering with you on these, you know, workbooks for these workshops. And coincidentally, I didn't know, he told me he was the president of AIGA Jacksonville and so he's like, yeah, I would totally love to do that. So it's like the intention of being humble and just benefiting off of each other and like wanting to get to know each other for the future. So if you're a student, I would say like, just get to know like that one person or just get to know one person each time you go out and network and then that person will know you and then introduce you to other people. And then that kind of just grows because by the time I graduated, a few years ago, like I knew pretty much everybody at all these events and I was like one of the only students that would go. So I was just dedicated to like getting to know everybody and what they're doing. Were you nervous? I was nervous at first because like that first, you know, you don't know anybody the first couple times you go, but then you just, just graciously give yourself to people and like say who you are and what you're doing. And like, I want to know more about you and not make it so much about yourself. How about you, Mike? Like, just that, like thinking about like networking events, right? And right. like, cause there was, I don't know, like a few years ago and I kind of started impressing on like, you guys need to come out with me. Like, let's go networking. And I mean, were you nervous? I mean, you're, you're a pretty outgoing guy though, but I mean, were you nervous about like walking up to a table full of people you didn't know and starting <laughs> a conversation or? Yeah, definitely, it's definitely a weird feeling until you get used to it because like, 
I don't know. Sometimes it's you, you kind of come from this perspective of I don't know if anybody's actually interested in what I'm when I, if they're just here for the free food or, or it's like people people <laughs> yeah. people talk yes. like amongst themselves. It's like a lot of times you walk into like groups and everybody knows each other already, and so it's like you don't want to come across as salesy or just insert yourself into a conversation, and so that can be very intimidating until you kind of get the hang of it and and know you know everybody has their own method and what they look look for but like I've definitely even even still today like I can get into some situations that I'm like uh, this is awkward I wanted to go home but like <laughs> there's other times where I'm like no this is fun it's it's really worthwhile beneficial so it, it does it can be intimidating I think even still all right so what advice would you have for somebody find somebody that's not talking to somebody else <laughs> okay and and I don't know just like I, I usually just play it off like I'll, I'll talk about something very topical at first um, and then just ask them kind of what they do. I, I think I think a lot of times people immediately want to say like what they are and what they are about without listening first. Mm-hmm. So so my number one point would be just to like, you know, ask somebody what they do and kind of hear them out and, and think about, you know, hey, does this is this somebody in my own business that I could utilize? Is this someone I can collaborate with or partner with? Um, because if you can, then you've got a good platform to say, okay, well, this is what I do. Like, you know, just kind of share stories. But. Yeah. I think that's key for sure. That's good. I feel like I, you know, when college students ask me about it, I say, I like the idea of going with somebody. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, if you can go with somebody who's already familiar with the crowd, yeah. that's a great way, because then they can introduce you to people. Yeah. Say, hey, this is my friend Caroline, this mm-hmm. is what she does, you know, and then and then from there, it's, you know, you take over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so something like that is really good. I also always tell people go in with the intent of leaving with like two or three connections. Mm-hmm. I like the thing that I hate about networking is when people go in and they have their business cards and they're like, they're just trying to hand out as many business cards as possible. And then like you're in a conversation with them and they're like looking over your shoulder, like at their next prospect. I absolutely hate that, dude. Hate that. It drives me absolutely insane because they're not paying attention to anything I'm saying. I'm just kind of like, dude. All right, Which but but I, I tell people if you go and you try to like meet and build two to three like actual relationships, yeah. that's good. Advice. And try to like you know focus on okay like hey I just met Caroline at this networking event. What how can I give her value? Like how could I help mm-hmm. her get connected to the people she needs mm-hmm. to get connected to? Well then that's like that that good karma is going to come from that. Yeah, and like good things are going to happen from those connections, right? And then I got two or three new friends that. I can actually like, you know, I might never do business with them, but I, they, they might know somebody who needs to do business with me, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I usually I'm try and- a, I'm not a networking expert, <laughs> but these are the things that I've learned. I usually try and give out something beyond business cards to huh. leave somebody with the impression of like, oh, this is not just a business card, like stickers. Yeah, so I'll put my these stickers. Yeah. Oh, like th- this is like your logo, right? It's my branding, mm-hmm. So you'll give them something like this. I'll give them, I'll give them a sticker that's got like my Instagram or my website on it. But it's very like subtle. It's not in your face. It's not like here's my business card. I want to do business with you. It's like here's a piece of me and my brand. Go look into it for the future. You know, it's like kind of like a tease. You know, like here's a little piece of my brand. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like. It's like that. having a Snapchat business card. Yeah. My, yeah. Snap, my Snapchat. <laughs> my Snapchat business cards have always been a hit. Really. Yeah, because they're they're square. They're like they're smaller square, and they're by. Uh, I had them printed with Moo. They're like little. I, I feel like they're more like espresso coasters. Than right. <laughs> right. They're like this big, you know. Uh, 
But man, everybody, every time they see one, they, they freak out about it. They're like, oh, dude, that's like brilliant. Because it, all it is is my Snapchat code. But on the back, it has my contact info. Uh-huh. But like the front of it's my Snapchat code. So I don't know. People like it a lot. It's cool. So anyway, what you got, Mike? So I have a question for you because I actually have a lot of, I'm not trying to create competition for you, but friends that have, uh, friends Uh-oh. that Mike love lettering. Uh-huh. Um, is that something that, like how, how do you how do you turn that into profession from a hobby? Do you feel like you need the support of a graphic design degree so you can diversify before you get into maybe exclusively doing that? Mm-hmm. Or you know how do you like I think Colin was asking how do you develop that talent? Like how do you go beyond just a, a, a doodle to like I mean are you actually like memorizing font styles or something like that? Like how, how do you perfect it? So I had started doing hand lettering as a hobby back in 2012 alongside school is like the relaxation, like, oh, I got my school done, now I'm gonna do my lettering. And then that didn't really turn into anything professional until two years ago. Um, And I basically just would literally throw out what I wanted people to see and hire me for. So like I originally was just a graphic designer and I did everything, like a jack of all trades, like you should start broad and then niche down. But then I started niching down. So I do, very little design work now. I do mainly like branding because I can pull lettering into that. Um, but I mostly do hand lettering now. Yeah. So how did you how did you perfect that over time? I mean, are you looking at YouTube videos, calligraphers? Uh, what do you call them? Calligraphers. Calligraphers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, are, are you just studying like techniques and that kind of thing? Yeah. So I I would basically in the beginning. I mean, they say like you shouldn't copy, but like. You gotta copy to learn. So in the beginning, I would copy font variations and styles like that until I could do it like in my head from scratch. And something that I would tell people is like, you know, look at different styles, look at the history behind the styles and things like that. Um, guidelines are really important for hand lettering. Um, if you don't have guidelines, your lettering is can be cohesive and things like that. I would look at different books. Um, there is a woman. There is a woman that I really look up to named Jessica Hish. She's like the queen of hand lettering. Um, and I met her back in 2013 and that's like what sparked me to be like, oh my gosh, I wanna be like her when I grow up, you know? Um, and she does professional hand lettering and things like that. So is there is there like a textbook difference between something that's called like hand lettering versus calligraphy? So hand lettering is basically like any type of lettering that's done by hand. And calligraphy, calligraphy is specifically just with a pen, like pen and ink, um, making the beautiful like script fonts. So there is a difference between the two. Okay, so yeah. what's your favorite medium? I like pencil and paper, like okay. just hardcore, old traditional styles of lettering. I mean, people now with iPads and things like that, everybody uses Procreate to do digital lettering, but I always still start with a pencil, like doing a basic sketch. And then I move that into like a rough sketch on Procreate. Like now I, I use a lot digitally, but I always still start with like that pencil and paper because like, I mean, that's what everybody traditionally would use to create lettering. Interesting. I always like, like Colin always goes in the business route and I'm like, I wanna learn something, I wanna learn something fascinating. Like, how much does kerning make your eyes bleed if it's wrong? You know, like, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff um, that I know from like graphic designers that like little things that I would look over, you know, fonts, styles, kerning, all that kind of stuff. It's just like, I, I just breeze right over it, but it can really, 
make or break a lot of, I, I think it was Allison Mucherino that was like, there's a, there's a specific movie that has like a, you know, like say Jaws or something that like a very, like you, you say the, the, the name and you can picture it. And she's like, it's awful because like the space between two of the letters is like too big. And it just like completely, like it'll ruin the whole movie for her. She won't even watch the movie because she's mad about the title. <laughs> Menus are the worst for me. Like Menus? Somebody told me a long time ago, they said, I had a professor who would always compare graphic design to cooking, but he also said that if the menu looks terrible at a restaurant, the food is also terrible. So he was saying like, don't go to those Asian restaurants that have the same menu because they all use the same menu and the food looks exactly the same, you know? I don't know. That's funny. funny. The devil's in the details. Yeah, so about the details, like, can we talk about something real quick? The the Fl- Florida Gators have this font, uh-huh. okay? Uh-huh. And the font has a weird spacing issue. Do you know what I'm talking it about? It does. I, I mean, I know the font. I'm you know trying the to font? Think of where the, it's the one, like... It's the, the italicized one. It's the italicized one. Oh, yeah. Do you yes. know what I'm talking about? The, the under even, lowercase. Is it? Like, I don't know. Even, even at the stadium, I actually feel like where it says, is it national champions or uh-huh. something? Like... Is it the H, the C, and the H, or something? Like the spacing, I don't know what it is. I know it's a font thing, though. Right. I know it's a font thing. Kerning? Is it? Is it the letters are too close together? Like they're touching or too far they're apart? They're not touching. They're too far apart. But it's only between like the first letter and the second letter. Yeah, that's. I know that's it, kerning. Okay. Uh huh. But it's intentional. I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay. I've never seen it before. Right, like, really? I mean, I'm gonna like yeah, it. Sarah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is anybody? No, no. Do you remember where, where if it anybody's is? listening to this podcast and you know what I'm talking about, because usually <laughs> please, it's between a specific two two letters yeah. or a combination of yeah. letters. Because like the way the font is, and and I'm not the expert here, so you correct. <laughs> but like it's like the way the font is, the two letters next to each other will have a certain amount of space that's right or wrong. Yeah, or, just, you know. it, yeah it's like it looks pleasing wrong. pleasing to the to, eye. Okay, it's yeah, not it's pleasing correct. to my eye. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So you gotta find, you gotta do the homework and see what what part of it, like what letters, like, is it, is it like the it. NNA I'll national it. or have, is it work No, it's not work Have you guys seen no, the no, University no. of Florida sign on the corner? On the corner. The corner of 13th and University, yep, yep. the big metal yeah. sign. Mm-hmm. The kerning in that is what bothers me. Okay, now the I'm gonna most. pay closer attention when I go and look at it. Because it's, <laughs> it's all lowercase, and okay. it's all really far apart. So they say like with lowercase lettering, um, it should be close together. Like it shouldn't be very far apart because it's more pleasing to the eye when it's close together, easier to read. But then if you have like all uppercase, it should be a little bit farther apart because it's easier to read. This is something that they they say aesthetically. So UF has just done it wrong. <laughs> Is it a specific part of the sign, or is it like it's all the just, letters? It's just, I think it says, it says University of Florida, but it's all lowercase, and it's all really far apart. And okay. so I took my grad pics in front of it, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> I had never noticed that before, and I'm like graduating, and That's funny. wow. Yeah. All right, well, we won't, we won't spend any more time on that that particular subject, but it yeah. is something that I find kind of fascinating, because I've always looked at it, and i was been like, oh, that's messed up. There's something wrong with it. Yeah. But maybe it's, I don't know. Um, one of the things that you and I have discussed before has been like really valuing your time mm-hmm. and knowing what to charge, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is something that I'm kind of fascinated about with you in particular because um, because I have so much respect for it. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, dang, this, like, this girl knows her worth. <laughs> and anyway, we've talked about this stuff plenty of times, right? Uh-huh. So um, how did you... 
like, how would you tell people, right? When somebody's like reaching out to you about a project mm-hmm. or something like, what do you tell people in terms of like, hey, this is what you're looking at. This is what yeah. it's going to cost. Um, and what kind of response do you get? So I've kind of perfected this over the past like two or three years. So a few years ago, I would just intake clients and tell them like, this is what I would charge. But that wasn't like, I didn't learn about sales. So that's like the wrong way to do it if you're a graphic designer. Now what I do is if a client asks me, I have a special Google form with different information on it. And I have them kind of give me a bracketed amount first for the project to say- Like a range? Like a range, yeah. So I have different ranges from like 1,000, 2,000, 2,000, you know, all the way up to like 10,000 plus dollars. And I get on a phone call with them and talk about, you know, their needs, things like that, et cetera, et cetera. Like go through the sales process. And then at the end, you know, I say like, I'm gonna send you the proposal. And then within like 48 hours, like we'll, we'll talk about it on the phone again so that I can really like sell them on that. And that usually works. So, but I charge most of the time by the project and not hourly. But okay. if it's an ongoing project, like say I'm doing iconography and I need to send more icons, like, oh, we need more icons for this in like a week and then more set of icons. Um, I do things hourly that way because it's ongoing. But if it's just a set project, then I do it hour, um, set project, I do it. Like this is it. Yeah, this is it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, for our audience who's listening, I mean, I, I would describe your uh, process, your work mm-hmm. as as high end, yeah, like luxury, like yeah. really, like really nice, yeah. Um, and so like I wasn't sure, you know, if you got like pushback, people like, oh my gosh, like no way, or like you know, and, and how that's how that's helped or not helped in business, you know, I think a lot of a lot of leaders out like business leaders and entrepreneurs and stuff are out there like really trying to determine mm-hmm. you know do I, I mean heck even with us with our with the scooter dealership and stuff it's like man like we feel like there's certain brands of scooters that are not worth our time yeah we're not going to touch them yeah <laughs> right and and you know just kind of determining hey like this is something that i would want to do um you know, so I was just always kind of fascinated by that. I think a lot of it has to do with the client too. So like I try and gauge what type of client I'm working with. So if the client is a startup, of course, most of the time they're not gonna have a large budget and I still work with smaller clients, but I don't give them as much of my time because time is money, you know? Yep. But if it's a higher end client like Fracture, like they have a bigger budget, they can afford it, they have a bigger brand space. so that's something that I try and gauge like from the get-go of who I'm working with. Yeah, at the same time, mm-hmm. like the amount of personal yeah. touch it, like, yes. you know, face-to-face time, that kind of stuff yeah. is like, also gonna be, you know, through the roof, which mm-hmm. is why, like, you, ha- you have to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, cause I, I think that's the thing, like you're able, with a startup, you're able to do more communication. You're probably doing more communication via email mm-hmm. or via phone call mm-hmm. versus like the face-to-face time, right? Yeah, most, I don't, really rarely unless the client is like here in town do i meet with them in person most of the time it's preferably like phone call zoom because that's like how i sell to my clients i don't like doing things through email and i think that's where a lot of graphic designers will mess up is they're so afraid to 
get on the phone call with the client to really sell themselves as a person. Now, were you always doing that? Or no. has this something that's no. kind of become like a COVID birth? No, it's I've, like, I've been I've been doing it that way for a few years. But okay. I mean, more so now with COVID. I mean, I was still kind of meeting with people in person before COVID, but now it's all strictly online. I feel like we need to, I feel like I need to figure out how to pull that more into like the dealership. You know what I mean? Like it's just the, the seeing somebody's face, seeing somebody's mm-hmm. expression, like having the eye to eye contact. There's something about that that's just more solid yep. than a phone call. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, especially in, in our line of work, um, that that human relationship is is important to, convert sales because we come from a very authentic, like not pushy um, kind of pitch, if you will, that maybe gets lost in translation without the body language and the eye contact and stuff like that. If you're just, especially if you're just reading words, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're geared more towards the personal relationship and, and trying to make people feel comfortable. Yep. Um, so I think we rely on that heavy. Um, so it is, it is interesting like to, to wrap that in, especially as, as things continue to go to a more digital, more remote, not in person kind yeah. of way. That's what I try and do like when I'm talking to a client through Zoom or like through a phone call. If they have say, oh, I'm trying, you know, trying to get a bunch of quotes, I always tell them like, this is exactly what I'm gonna be doing for your brand. Like this is the value I'm gonna be giving your brand. Um, like, yes, somebody else might be a little bit cheaper, but like, this is what I have to back it up. You know, like this is all my work. This is like the time and effort I put into this and then the, the results it's gonna deliver your brand. Yeah. So I try and not be pushy, but I mean, I do follow up with them because that's really important. If you just say, oh, have the phone call and everything and they say they don't give you an answer, like that's just losing the sale. You know, you gotta kind of get them back. How much attention do you give to any competitors? Because I feel like a lot of times, especially in the art aspect, like people value their art a certain yeah. way, right? So do you, do you pay attention to what your competitors are pricing and try to be competitive, or do you just say this is what my art is worth? I mean, there there are competitive like manuals. There's a special pricing guide. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, it's like a special pricing guide that graphic designers will use for pricing their work, and that's usually like what I use as a baseline, but then I have specific standards for like what I've worked on over the years that I try and gauge on. Um, for hand lettering, is it like a per character thing? Do people like start short, <laughs> like, like shorthanding their requests to get it cheaper? It's, I basically do it based on, so if you wanted like a, a phrase like hello fall or something like that, I would, you know, base the budget around like, okay, you know, how many iterations are we gonna do? How many sketches are we gonna do? Like, how detailed do you want the ornaments around the lettering to be? Do you even want ornaments around the lettering? I mean, all of that goes into the pricing. And the more of that you do, like the more time it's gonna take and that's what, that's why you charge more. Um, But if it's a startup client, then it would be like bare minimum, you know? Have you seen those like memes that are like, uh, it's like clients' expectations and then clients' budget? Yes. <laughs> it's like yes. a, a drawing of a horse uh, and then like the yeah, yeah. Here version. You see like the, the, the different versions, like the $50 budget and then like the $5,000 budget or whatever, you know, different. 
details of one that. Of, one of my friends did one that was like, oh, my friend wants me to draw a logo. So she wrote the word logo and put like a smiley face on it and said, here you go, that's your logo. So it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's like the wish version versus what you're actually Oh, expecting. no. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, I mean, you've been doing this for a couple years now, right? So where, like, what's been the cha- biggest challenge for you so far? I think the biggest challenge is trying to figure out how to get more streams of income than what I already have. Because right now I have three. I have my regular clients, which are usually the highest ticket, and then I have mid-range, which is workshops. I teach hand lettering workshops, and then I have like my Etsy where I do prints and things like that. So now with COVID, I've been trying to, I've been thinking about doing like online teaching. So like Skillshare, things like that, but I just feel like I'm at a standpoint now where it's like most artists do that or most designers do that, so it's like, now what, you know? It's super difficult, right? Because it's like, it's you. Mm -hmm. Like, you are the business. Yeah. Right, do you fear breaking a hand or something and then like and then what i know, you know like yeah you have, i mean i'm, I'm thinking like yeah, you have disability insurance. oh it's good <laughs> you have disability insurance like i mean you know those types of things yeah uh, you know is it do you see this being just you forever or do you see building out a, a team and having a team of people around you do you like what does that look like for you i thought about it i've thought about it over the years but i feel like a lot of designers that I know that are very big, that have gotten big, it's still mostly them, but they have maybe like an intern or somebody like an agent or something like that to help them along the way, but like they're still the face of their brand and I feel like that's the most authentic way like I can lead my brand is me being the one, you know, kind of doing it. But if I got to a point where I needed to outsource, I would outsource to others. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the these are all the questions that I feel like a lot of people want to know, right? Especially in the startup startup yeah. stages, is like, all right, what's yep. what's been the biggest challenge? Like, how do you price yourself? Like, that's all things going through my mind. So. For me, I've always kept it very lean with expenses and things like that. Um, like, especially as a student, I, I mean, I had my business website and things like that. I mean, I've never paid to do ads or anything like that. I don't know. I just, I've talked to people about doing it and I just don't see the value in it because like, I feel like I'm better off and other people are better off to just straight up, just develop a relationship with somebody, develop a relationship with someone in the community or, you know, build that skill because that would lead to other projects and an online ad, I don't know. Like people may see it, people may not, and you may not know who these people are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What about from like the time management standpoint, right? Like you, you have the time allocated for the work. Mm -hmm. What else are you spending your time on? Like, you know, if it's not, if it's not like doing, you know, ads on Facebook or something like that, like, I mean, I know that you have an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. Like, so is it building that out? Is it like, where is your time being spent? So most of my time in the business is spent working on future workshops. That's one thing. So like building out 
different content for those workshops and then contacting companies. Like now I've just branched outside of Gainesville to do workshops. So like I'm doing a couple in Jacksonville. A couple months before COVID, I did one in Tampa. Um, and just seeing like- and This is your outreach or these This is my outreach. Are, okay. Yeah, Tampa was, they reached out to me, but Jacksonville, I just straight up, like I drove up there past two or three weekends and I just like went to all the breweries, like all of them, and just like straight up asked them. I cold emailed a bunch of them. A bunch of them emailed me back. A bunch of them were saying because of COVID, like we can't do anything right now. And the like Jacksonville football season is starting. So like they're gonna do stuff in the future. But um, I mean, I just like went after trying to see like what kind of relationships I can build. And I already know some people over there. So it was kind of like taking it back a step where just seeing, reaching out to some people that I already knew yeah. and seeing if like we could help each other. Sure. What is yeah. it about the breweries that lend, lend themselves to your work? Because I, I know locally you've worked with Cypress and Grove and First yeah. Mag. Yeah. You talk about the breweries in Jacksonville. So what is it yeah. specifically about them? I just love cool the niche. atmosphere. So, I mean, what I do okay. is I basically buy, if you were coming to my workshop and you bought a ticket, it would be between like 45 and $50. And so with that ticket, you would get a beverage included and then you would get a workbook and a lettering pen, depending on what workshop it is, there's different things you would get. But every workshop you'll get a beverage and you'll get a workbook, that's like standard. But instead of renting the space and paying a couple hundred dollars, what I do is I say like, can I buy the beer for everybody in exchange for the space? So, and it's worked pretty well, um, cause some places will charge $150 an hour um, for a space and that's a lot, yeah. you know, income wise and expense wise. Um, but like, that's just another way to, to collaborate and partner. And, and I've gotten a little bit of help with marketing because a lot of breweries have like a big Instagram following and like they have that community already being there. And so they'll help me market the, the workshops too. So it's like we, we collaborate off of each other and benefit off of each other. So it's like, I'm supporting their business by buying the beer and things like that. And then they're helping me like build a community with this workshop. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Gainesville. Yeah. So you are, I mean, you don't have like a studio space and stuff, right? You're working from your home. Just working from my home, my apartment. <laughs> Which is great. Uh -huh. Which is a great way to keep Coslo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I think about selling scooters out of my garage. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, why stay? Like why? Like why are you here? I mean, because I yeah. I, like, I just look at what you do, and I'm you know, I mean, you could look the big city. Yeah, there's probably going to be more opportunities. Yeah, more money. Yeah, right. So I've debated. everybody knows that I'm an advocate for Gainesville, but right. I'm, but I'm still like fascinated. Like what? Right. Like what keeps a person here? I've like actually weighed the pros and cons. Actually since COVID I've kind of thought about it, like thought about moving, but at the same time, like there's pros and cons of moving. Like if I moved say to Jacksonville, the pros would be, I already know people that are there, but the cons are I'd basically kind of be starting my business from scratch and would have to re-network with people and things like that and establish relationships with all these businesses that I've not, you know, they've already done here. And I feel like Gainesville, you know, it's only in, you know, what, a 10 mile radius? Isn't that about how wide it is? You know, Jacksonville's what, like 50, 60 miles? Like really 
there's a lot more over there, but I feel like there's a lot of businesses here already um, that I have relationships with. And like, I wanna continue those relationships whether I stay here or not. So whether I move, I can still keep those relationships is the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, are you, like, have you had opportunities kind of come to you from, like, through the Instagram accounts and through Etsy and, like, through these other things that you're doing that have allowed you to kind of expand beyond Gainesville? I mean, like, I, I know Jacksonville and Tampa, but yeah. has there been, like, have you done, you know, business in any other state with anybody? Or? I mean, I've done a few things, like, outside of the area, but most of it's been kept local. Okay. And just the past month or two is what I've gone outside of Gainesville to do business. So, and I'm already doing like a couple of workshops there. So, I mean, it's very promising. Cool. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think the next five years looks like for you? I mean, I would like to be somebody that a lot of like fresh out of school um, students look up to as like a hand lettering artist and a graphic designer. Like I would love to be somebody that people can come to for like design advice and things like that. I would like my brand to be giving business tips and giving freelance tips to um, graphic designers and lettering artists. Cause that's like a big part of my brand is like being good with business um, and going to business school. So, cause a lot of designers actually like, I don't know any graphic designers who have ever gone to business school. They just literally have done like learned and failed, you know, through the process. Um, so that's like one thing as I learned all these classes or I learned all these skills like in school, but then also outside of school that a lot of designers don't know, like with marketing and sales and things like that to actually like bring in the business. Do you feel like that's becoming a strength of yours is the Mm -hmm. business and sales side? Yeah. Because I would say it's pretty common. One of the things that I see very often and that we've had, we've had discussions on the show about are, you know, sometimes somebody's just a really great artist. And they need to like mm-hmm. hire. They need to find like a partner, like uh-huh. a salesperson, yeah, right, to sell their work, yeah. You know, but but that's you don't feel like that's the case. You feel like this is like I or you enjoy like the sales part, and you're like focused on learning that part of it. And I enjoy both. In the beginning, I mean, a couple of years ago, I did not know anything about sales. I mean, I was undercharging my work, and I got scammed a couple times by like local companies here and like it was I mean I almost like threw in the towel you want to throw those companies under the bus no (laughs) not really I don't care (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) but but you say like I mean so you've learned a lot through the process of yeah the the business aspects of it and I mean you definitely have to I mean some people fail more than others in this like in this area with graphic design and things like that. And I feel like I was very fortunate because I did things the right way by like learning from people who had already been there, you know? And so instead of like constantly failing with like failed projects and things like that, I just developed a um, a process that was like foolproof for like bringing clients through a funnel, you know, like like I said, with the, the form and things like that. Yeah, I really, I think that's very important. So it's not just like a email-based relationship. It's like, you're actually giving them a side of you that they wanna see. Like, how did you learn that stuff? Like, was that like creating a funnel via Google mm-hmm. form? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. are they teaching that in college now? <laughs> I mean, 
I just decided to do it. Like I thought one day, like instead of just, I mean, I took a sales class and that's kind of what like reshaped my business. I took like a basic sales class with Dr. Stephen Tufts. He's like the best professor at UF. He was my favorite teacher. Um, and he taught just basic sales. And so, you know, I went to him one day and I was talking to him about, you know, like my business and things like that. And we both kind of, he kind of gave me some advice and then that's what shifted me into like doing it this way. So, and ever since then in that class, like this is kind of how I've done it. Cool. I, I want to ask you a question because as I'm sitting here listening, I'm thinking about something and in 16 years of running a scooter business, I've come across <laughs> some technicians that, uh, you know, are super skilled uh-huh. and they like to hoard that skill and knowledge uh-huh. and not share it with people as uh-huh. if they're doing that to protect their own like uh-huh. livelihood, right? And then we have you that's going out there and running workshops, teaching people mm-hmm. how to let her. Do you ever fear that that's going to like undercut you? You're going to teach somebody, you know, that, that would be otherwise hiring you or is going to eventually become your competition or anything mm-hmm. like that? Like oversaturated? Is that what you sure, mean? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think that there's perks to any person in an oversaturated market. Like hand lettering is definitely an oversaturated market, but there's also other places that are like, I mean, I think any market can be oversaturated, but I think it's what you bring as a person, like your personality and how you interact with people, that that's what sells them on you and like your business. We've talked before, like we, we put a lot of content out um, yeah. on YouTube, uh, how-to videos and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and the reality is we can teach people how to do oil changes all day and they might do one if mm-hmm. they do one, mm-hmm. um, but they're still gonna come, they don't mm-hmm. wanna get dirty, they're still gonna come and have us do it. Um, so we, we do get a lot of good feedback for putting that content out there, especially out of area. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know there is that little risk of are you teaching customers how to do their own and now you're not relying on that revenue mm-hmm. so so even from a perspective of you know somebody that might take your class and learn how to do it and say you know what I can I can do this whether or not they actually can but like I can do this and now they're not hiring you yeah so ooh that's a good one what do you, what do you mean by that though but like i mean somebody that maybe say works uh this is just something that comes to mind but like in the in the wedding industry a okay. event planner and they do their their own they they would maybe hire a letter mm-hmm. for a board or something like that mm-hmm. but maybe now they go to a workshop pay fifty dollars to go get a drink and learn how to do it and then they sell themselves as so like okay now i'll start doing this from for myself or for my company rather than hiring an expert mm-hmm. to do it i mean i think it's but but they did pay for my workshop so right. they did give me the business um but then they also still have a lot to learn if they're doing it themselves too. So, I mean, they could take, you know, like I charge what I do because like I've learned it over the years. And like when I, you know, when I charge like every 15 minutes or, you know, whatever for work, like it's because I have these like years of experience under it. But if you're somebody who's paid somebody $50 and when to do your, you know, like hand lettering or calligraphy for your wedding or things like that, I think it's just, I don't see them as my competition. I just see them as like a hobbyist, you know, like there's someone that they're learning that they want to pay somebody to help them learn this skill because they want to do it as a hobby. I mean, some people might want to do it to become. Yeah, and if com- they really want to go yeah. up against you, you're just going to crush them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Eat my pen. <laughs> uh, so I have one more uh, unique question before we wrap this up. Like looking back at your childhood, mm-hmm. right? 
do you see it like would you have said like oh yeah i would definitely have ended up right here doing this no way <laughs> no like what did you want to be no. like as a kid i mean i always loved i mean when i was two i wanted to be a, like an astronaut like one of those weird you know professions that every kid wants to be but i mean i still I, want to be an astronaut <laughs> I mean, Try growing up there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would be an astronaut now, but I think it was more of like my family was always really open with me about like expressing my creativity. Like from a young age, I literally, I mean, still to this day, there's still like crayon marks on the walls of my parents' house because they would let <laughs> me draw and like I would draw everywhere. And I mean, some of those never came off. So it was just always being an artistic person um, even throughout like high school and then finding out about graphic design, like I just shifted into like we all pivot. So pivoting into something that like I truly loved. Okay. So th- I'm going to lie. This is my final question. Okay. Uh, the, what advice would you give to parents now that are like when they recognize mm-hmm. that their child has like this creative ability yeah like what should they be doing to like really cultivate that i think they should allow their children to be able to express themselves through what they do best so like if a child really loves interior design i think they should create a safe space for them to express that and help them to like get those hobbies out so like help them take interior design classes or just like art classes in general and that was something like as a kid my parents like i would take music i mean this was just stuff that they wanted me to be involved with. It wasn't like pressuring, you know, doing all this stuff. It was just like, let's put her in a music class. Let's put her in this kind of class. And I think like at a young age, like I just fell in love with the arts. Um, And I think like everybody's got that one thing they're really good at. And I think that some parents will really pressure their children too far into things that they don't want to do. And so, you know, as they get older, it kind of, you know. What if... So, so a lot of this is coming from my personal, uh-huh. uh, you know, side. Uh, you know, like I look at I look at my kids. So my kids are, I mean, they're super talented mm-hmm. in so many ways, and I want to support their talent. Um, but I often try to get them to be more creative. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and I feel like I struggle. Like my kids, you know, like my son had like a meltdown the other day because because of zoom and they're doing these virtual classes and stuff he had to like do like a 60 second video basically describing like who he was or talking about his life or whatever for 60 seconds is like hey this is who i am my name's so and so you know like and kind of like and he totally did not want to do it like (laughs) just didn't didn't want to do it you know and i want to like encourage him without like Forcing. Mm-hmm. This, this is Shannon's yeah, son. Yeah, yeah. Not, this is Shannon's son, not your son, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the one that doesn't want to be on video. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm saying it's nothing uh, like you. Yeah, it's nothing like me. I don't know. They, I don't know. Why, yeah, why don't they want to be on video? Why don't they want to be on camera? Like, I don't get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I don't, like, I don't. I don't know. I mean, even when I watch the, so they, they watch YouTube, like yeah. it's TV, yeah. right? Like that's, kids do that. Yeah. I mean, send me a note if your kids do that. Cause I just want to make sure my kids aren't the only ones, but like my seven year old and 11 year old, they watch YouTube, like it's TV. And 
I try to encourage them. Like, I'm like, yo, you know that that guy is being paid millions of dollars for making that, right? Because, and he's, and then he comes on and he's like, say, oh, you can buy this shirt. Like halfway through his own like vlog style. Like he's like, oh, you can buy this shirt, this hat, blah, 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 at this shop, blah. You know, yeah. so he's doing that. I'm like, you realize that he's making money off people going and buying that stuff, right? And so I'm trying to like get them to understand kind of like the business side of it. Like to create, like, hey, why don't you create a vlog or why don't you create a show yeah and they just want to sit there and watch it <laughs> and so i don't know you know like especially as a creator like i don't know if i should encourage them or if i should just back off and just mm-hmm. let them watch youtube i mean are they interested in like they're interested in soccer. in making money you know are they interested in like uh, in doing that no 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 not a lot not not really i mean I know someone when I, uh, probably a month or two when I went back home to visit my dad, there was a mom and her her two girls, they set up a lemonade stand outside and they had all these people come out to it. And I feel like maybe it's like something you do to bond with them, like do a, a bonding activity like that. I would, you know, it's funny because I would love to do that. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like they don't want to. You know, like, or like, yeah. have, and, 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 and to be frank with you guys, like, it really, it kind of scares me a little bit because I'm like I said, I'm an, I'm a hardcore entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, yo, like, let's get out there. Like, yeah. let's, you know, we would we would do the lemonade franchise. You know, <laughs> Oliver. You know, like Schaefer's waiting for that million dollar soccer contract. Uh, he seriously though, <laughs> like, you know. So I I don't know. There's, I would just approach it in different ways, like maybe try doing a lemonade stand if that doesn't work try approaching doing something like one-on-one with them i mean i've always been like a hands-on person like i don't really like online stuff i just think it takes away from yeah the personability and i feel like kids especially they you know really young children have the best ideas um, there's a company called ido in california i believe they're in california they do like design thinking and they pull research from kids because they have some of like the best ideas for, you know, as adults, like apparently that gets shut off. Like we don't have as many good ideas because we don't take as many risks. So maybe like let them be able to take more risks in the, in what they want to do to get them some, interesting. some hobbies. Yeah. Cause the I mean. of like adult limiting beliefs on what, what's like viable and what's not. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I just want to like encourage them without because I don't yeah. want I don't want to be the pressure. Yeah. Parent, right? Like I want them to enjoy, enjoy their childhood. Yeah. And not have dad breathing down their neck about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, I want like I just wish they would take a little bit of an interest. In it. Right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, you could... soccer's cool. I like soccer too. But those, those <laughs> but they're, they're players, really good at soccer. Those soccer players are really good branders too. Yeah personal yeah. brand so I mean it, it well, still plays uh, yeah that, that, they, that starts they, a whole nother are they artistic like do you think they would like art, the arts um, or no Maddox is uh, Maddox is a little bit yeah Maddox is like he, he has really started to get into like piano uh-huh. and like he's really picking it up yeah and it was something that he wanted to do uh-huh. which was really cool um my oldest son Schaefer like nah he d- like he doesn't want to draw stick figures yeah, yeah like <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? So he, he, you know, and I don't want to like 
I, I think he's actually incredibly talented because when he has. I feel like it's more of like a lack of, and again, this is a whole nother podcast and we got to wrap up in a minute, but like, I feel like it's almost like a lack of confidence. Right. I feel like when he actually focuses on doing something, yeah. like he's done some like clay stuff and like, it's really good. Like it's really good. And you know, he kind of is hard on himself mm-hmm. and doesn't think that it's that great or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, we have like a we should have like a parenting we'll have a parenting mastermind you'll be there the only I was just thinking about, I wrote that down I was like we should do a parenting mastermind as one of our mastermind sessions I'm uh, sure I can bring a can, lot to the table there yeah can you <laughs> can you <laughs> I mean you had parents so I, I mean did. like at least you can bring it from that from the childhood perspective right. I think a uh, lot of that comes with like maturity too because I feel like children a lot of them don't they don't know what they want like they're so young Um, I mean some kids they're like yeah I want to be entrepreneurs and things like that Um, but I think it's important like maybe just keep instilling it in them like you're doing a good job of doing that keep doing that and then maybe in 10 years they'll follow in your footsteps yeah we'll see (laughs) (laughs) I'll just try to be as supportive as I can all the way Um, it's been a lot of fun so cool conversation. Um, where can our audience connect with you? Or did you did you have another question? I saw you write no, some no, down. No. Okay. I was gonna ask you what's your what's your favorite uh, work that you've done or like collaboration or anything like if you had a favorite. Oh my! I think my favorite one has been the one with Fracture because yeah. that was the first one that made me realize that like I'm very valuable as a designer. Um, it was before, confidence building. Yeah, it was confidence building and also like gave me the confidence to charge more for my work. Sure. So. Yeah, I mean, and both of us worked hard on that. We project. did. It yeah. Was, yeah, it was really, really cool. Still hasn't launched. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I feel like they're saving it for like uh-huh. a very special moment. Yeah. Yes. But maybe that'll come out at some point. But it was it was a lot of fun working on that with you. Um, cool. So where can our audience connect with you? Where would you like them to connect with you? Whether it's website, social media, that kind of thing. I have Instagram and I have website. So Instagram is at sweet caroline design with underscores in between sweet and caroline awesome and then my website is caroline-staniski.com okay so sweet yep so definitely go connect with caroline and you guys remember go to whoagmv.com click shop and buy one of these exclusive limited edition Gainesville t-shirts. This thing is raw. This is the soft tee, too. This is, like, the uh-huh. really yeah. nice, Very soft. like... Dude. The, kind, the kind you don't want to take off. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, like, yeah. my favorite. The, so, the soft tees. It's the super high-quality stuff. Mad love, again, to the tee shop for collaborating with us on this and really helping make this a reality. Um, you know, check them out at theteeshops.com. That's shops with an S.com. You can place orders on them. Support them as well. And um, do us a favor. Tag us on Instagram when you're wearing this T-shirt and uh, we'll reshare it, won't we, Sarah? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we will reshare it. And uh, you guys, thanks so much for listening. Hey, if you missed any information about any of our sponsors, we want to let you know that you can check out all of our sponsors at whoagnv.com forward slash sponsors. Connect with them. They make this happen. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Keep cranking. Man, there's only a, there's like, Three and a half months left to go in 2020, baby. <laughs> We're gonna make it. So let's go. We love you. See ya.
Bye. This is oh wait wait. This is the WHOA GMB <laughs> podcast. The podcast bring you businesses and individuals that make you go whoa whoa whoa. We'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> now bye. <laughs> now bye. <laughs>